All right, why don't you take out your Bibles here? We're going to look into the scriptures. Again, we're people who study the scriptures. We want to immerse ourselves in the Bible, learn it, meditate on it, memorize it. But we want to do this novel thing that James called, and it's do the scriptures. So this week, I've been looking at spiritual warfare in the life of Jesus, and I've been hearing him say, it's time for you to do these things in fresh ways. Not just study about it, not just teach it, seek understanding, but Brock, I want you to practice and to do some of the things that you saw me doing in the Gospels. And so friends, I'm just going to say right now, join the club. This is a workshop at our Lord's. And so what we study here and what we look at, we're also saying, Lord, you didn't just do this 2,000 years ago. You do it now and you invite us into it. Part of partnering with you means we practice the scriptures. You with me on that? Anybody else want to do that? You want to practice the scriptures? So today and next week, we're going to do, uh, we're going to look at spiritual warfare. We're going to look at uh, spiritual warfare and Jesus Today, we're going to look at two passages, Mark 3 and Luke 10, just dig into these places. And then next week, we're going to look at Paul and spiritual warfare and look at Ephesians 6. And I just want to say up front that spiritual warfare has lots of misunderstanding around it. Some of you are like, ah, spiritual warfare, we're we really going to talk about that. Some of you are saying, yes. I want us to humble ourselves. Maybe we've read books, maybe we've been through all kinds of spiritual warfare training, but let's come like children before the Lord today and before the Word and learn afresh. I'm certainly not a know-it-all, are you? So when it comes to spiritual warfare, I want to learn from the Master, from Jesus. And what I want to say up front is that spiritual warfare is about Jesus. It's really not even about warfare or angels or demons or it's what Liam was leading us in. When Jesus comes, warfare happens. The warrior shows up and delivers people and sets us free and fills us with fire, fills us with gospel power and sends us out. So that's what, I guess we could just sum up. Jesus and warfare means more Jesus. More Jesus, more victory. And really, we'll see, I'd, I want us to, to understand that the kingdom of God broke through in the person of Jesus. And so maybe we don't even think about Christmas is warfare. The incarnation, the birth of the Son of God is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, and it's warfare. And the angels sang about it. They said, peace on earth and peace among men. His whole life was an assault on the kingdom of darkness. He's born, his temptation, Matthew 4, Luke 4, talk about it. He overcame Satan at the beginning of his life. It's warfare, saying yes to the Father and no to the enemy. We're going to look at this in a few weeks as well. That's warfare. His life, his ministry, the healings, the exorcisms, casting demons out of people. It's the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. So spiritual warfare is all about 
the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. It's all about the presence of the king manifesting himself and his authority. What we're going to see today, the deployment of the 12 disciples and the 70 is another inbreaking, an expansion of the kingdom of God. His death, his resurrection, his ascension is the inbreaking and expansion of the kingdom of God. So we want to establish from the beginning, spiritual warfare really isn't about anything other than the Lord Jesus and his presence and his kingdom that he is establishing. It involves many things, and I can't help to do this, but do this, the professor's side of me. Spiritual warfare involves many things. It does not involve standing out and shouting into the sky at principalities and powers. That is, if you're thinking that in your mind, that you go out and yell and do these things, that's really not the gist. And again, I'm not making light of what God may call particular intercessors and people to do, but spiritual warfare involves deepening your relationship with Jesus. It means daily getting into his presence. Like that woman sitting at the feet of Jesus, that's, that's intimate friendship with him. Another thing that it involves is spiritual practices. We're going to come back and look at this in a few weeks, but scripture, intake, interacting with God through the Bible, fasting, prayer, these kinds of practices. The early Christians said spiritual warfare involved three things, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Those are like the three weapons in the arsenal. We'll talk about that. So today, let's, uh, let's look at uh, Mark 3. Dig right in. We're going to begin at verse 13. We're going to look at these two passages, Mark 3, Luke 10. And again, I am old school, so I urge you to bring your Bible. Al King has his Bible. Al, will you hold up your Bible, please? We talked about this. Look at that. That sucker is like two by two. I think he said something about blocking bullets with it. You know, he can take that into a literal battle and survive. So he said, I'm going to bring this new Bible that I've got. Bring your Bible. There's something about it, having that physical object there. No guilt if you want to use your phone, but bring your Bible. And then I mentioned we have new pew Bibles coming. So Mark 3 going to look at these passages and glean a handful of things about spiritual warfare here. Mark 3, I'm going to read 13 through 19. Actually, I'll probably skip the, the names that are named here, so I'll really be reading through, uh, 3, 13 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus went up to the mountain and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message and have authority to cast out demons. Matthew, Matthew's version actually says that he gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. And then verse 16, it lists the 12 beginning with Simon, and I'm not going to read those. It's basically saying these are real people, ordinary people, fishermen, blue-collar workers that Jesus chose. So the first thing we see in Mark 3 about Jesus and spiritual warfare is that Jesus calls and appoints. Look at verse 14. Jesus calls and appoints first and foremost 
What's your Bible say? He appointed them, he named them apostles, what? Four words. Al, what's your Bible say there? Your big Bible. To be, to be with him. So this is where spiritual warfare starts. We'll let that sink in for a minute. Where does spiritual warfare start? Being with Jesus. He doesn't call you to go out and attack the enemy. Really, he doesn't call you first and foremost to go take the gospel, to pray for the sick. What He calls us to be with him. That's the foundation of all spiritual warfare, to be with him. And it's a beautiful passage here. It says that he goes up to the mountain, all kinds of symbolism. It's signaling that he's actually starting a new spiritual Israel with these 12. Just like the 12 tribes in the Old Testament, Jesus symbolically is picking out 12 people and he's starting the new spiritual Israel. Look at what it says here. At the end of verse 13, I guess the middle here, he went up to the mountain, he calls those, called those he wanted. So there was something in his heart, the overflow of his heart. He doesn't need anything, but he wants them to be with him. So this is really important to, to realize in spiritual warfare. We're called first to be fa- uh, faithful friends of Jesus, faithful friends, the kind of friend I've been trying to pray, Lord, what's on your heart today? Lord, in being with you, what, what are you thinking about? What, what's on your heart for our Lords? What's on your heart for the people that are in our lives? What, what's burning in your heart, Lord? I wanna be your friend, I wanna listen. Who you are and what you have to say is the most important thing. Lord, I want to be with you. Faithful friend first, and then a fiery messenger. Faithful friends, and then fiery messengers. So we say from the beginning, spiritual warfare is learning how to be with him, how to spend time in his word. And friends, if we'll do that, faithful friends, we'll be unstoppable. Jesus doesn't say in this passage, I'm calling you to a lifetime of activism. Oftentimes, activists burn out. He calls you to be an intimate friend, to fall in love with him. Then you're unstoppable. Then the second thing he says here, Jesus calls and appoints first and foremost to be with him. The other is to be sent out to share the message of the kingdom of God. And we know from earlier in Mark, Jesus shows up and he says, repent, turn from yourself, your sin, your selfishness, and receive the kingdom of God. It's here. So the apostles have watched Jesus do this, and now they're sent out to do the same thing. We're called to be with you, but now we're going out with the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And then this is where it gets rather uncomfortable oftentimes for churchgoers. Gives them authority to bring the message, but what else at verse 15? What's your Bible say? Cast out demons. But Brock, it's 2020. 
we know that those were aberrant neurological behaviors. Those were psychoses. Those weren't demons. Jesus was the first Freud. And Carl Jung, he was very skilled at helping people work through their neurotic behavior. Friends, this is the word of God. It's not my word. Jesus empowered the disciples to cast out demons. And guess what? He empowers you and me to cast out demons. Well, Brock, I'm uncomfortable with that. Well, I'm sorry. Talk to Jesus about it. If you're uncomfortable with that or it causes your intellect to tilt like it has mine at times, get on your face before him, read the scriptures and say, Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to take the gospel out, but I want, to, I want you to teach me what you taught these early followers of you. I want to cast out demons. Now, I could share stories of this, and I think what I'm most excited about is hearing the Lord create new stories. Does anyone else want some new stories of deliverance that you are taking the gospel into your school? Luke, taking the gospel into high schools, bringing the message of the kingdom, and then the Lord begins to set people free. Demons didn't go away. In the Enlightenment, 1700s, they began to question everything. And if it wasn't material, if I couldn't observe it empirically and figure it out, well, then it doesn't exist. Do you buy that? So scripture's wrong. The enlightenment thinkers are right. Demons just kind of went away. Friends, this stuff is real. The enemy is real. His minions are real. Do we fear them? Do we even think about them that much? No. Jennifer's here going, yes. We drive darkness out of people's lives through the power of the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us about this. And friends, I'm fired up. And this, I know this raises all kinds of questions, and we'll address some of them next week, but probably more in the future. What is, you know, demon possession, oppression? We're not even addressing that. What we're saying is that we go out with the gospel, the truth, in a dark world, and confront the enemy, and the Lord sets people free. And you may encounter some demons. I had a, an atheist professor in doctoral studies, and I remember one night in a seminar, we were talking, and we were talking about the Enlightenment, and we were talking about deconstructing spiritual things and all this, and he said, I'm gonna be honest. And he wasn't a real transparent fella. He actually was a former Catholic priest who had gotten into theology and intellectualized himself into atheism. But he said, I got to observe an exorcism one time, and I can't shake it. He said it was real. And we all just kind of sat and looked at him. Boy, that was awkward. I'll never forget it. 
hardcore atheist, probably one of the smartest people I know. He had deconstructed everything, and yet he was in a deliverance session with someone, and it was real. He saw something there that even in his 60s, he couldn't look back on and deny. So whether we think that it's real or not, it's real. And we want to be rational and reasonable and biblical about it, but friends, we're at war. We are at war, and so Jesus wants to teach us how to be with him and how to take the gospel, how to go out and do what John Wimber said, do the stuff, the words and works of Jesus. Look at verses 19 through 22. Again, we're looking at Jesus' instruction on spiritual warfare. What's he say at verse 19? Then Jesus goes home, and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. People were saying, he has gone out of his mind. Jesus, you're crazy. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul. The prince of demons is what that means there. He has the prince of demons in him, and it's by the ruler of the demons that he casts out demons. So we've got a group of of people here, some critics, some who are worried about Jesus, and he basically shows them the illogical nature of their argument. Look at verse 23. He called them to him. He spoke to them in parables or word pictures, and he says to them, he's addressing that charge that you're possessed by demons and you cast out demons by the power of darkness. And what's he say? How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. And then this is what I want to look at here. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. So Jesus exposes the foolishness of this thinking that you're possessed by a demon and therefore you have authority over demons. He goes, you guys, that's, that's silly. So the second thing that Jesus says here is that Jesus has overcome the enemy and is plundering his house. This is a key text for spiritual warfare. And again, it might make us a little bit uncomfortable. This is Jesus. And earlier in Mark, we had John the Baptist, and he said, someone stronger than I am is coming. Do you remember that? He said, I'm not fit to untie his sandals. And so Jesus is picking up that same language, and he said, someone stronger than the strong man is here. What in the world does this mean? In short, it's a word picture, and Jesus is saying, I, as the stronger one, have entered into the house or the domain of Satan, and I'm plundering it. What's he plundering? Lives. He's getting captives back. That's what he's doing. He's saying, I'm here as the king. The kingdom of God is here, breaking in, and I am tying up the enemy, and I'm taking back what is mine. 
I love people. And I'm saving people. And then friends, he calls us to be a part of this. When's the last time you thought, I am called to be with Jesus, but I'm also called to plunder the enemy's camp. I'm called to plunder. We mess around so much with petty things. The Lord has called you and gifted you, friends, to take the gospel and to plunder the enemy. Jesus has done it. He tied him up through his own life, death, and resurrection. And he's basically inviting us into a place of victory. I've won the victory. The enemy's tied up. Now come plunder his house with me. Is anyone in on that? I, am, I want to go. Just turned 50. I've shared with you maybe another midlife crisis. I want to plunder the enemy. I want to win people for the kingdom of light out of darkness. I want things to count. The Lord is inviting us into this, and he's done it. Just a little thing here, part of the wake-up call that I've been experiencing in recent weeks and months. Jennifer Milner and I met with a young lady, had a friend call me, and he said, there's a, a lady I know, we're good friends, she is really oppressed, and I can't even tell you how broken her life is. Will you meet with her? And so, of course, being full of courage and experience, I called Jennifer. Jennifer, can we meet? Let's meet with this lady. And we met with her. We heard some of her story. Um, she was actually a famous race car driver and had some money pour into her life and ran with some famous people and all, but her life was decimated. So she met with us in my office, and through the course of our conversation, Jennifer and I were seeing demons manifest. This sweet lady, broken, her background of sexual brokenness and drugs and all kinds of things, and something came through her in that moment. And it wasn't just mental illness. It wasn't just something chemical that happened because of too much drug use. It was a spiritual force that came through her. And Jennifer and I ended up, what did we spend, maybe an hour, hour and a half with her. And Jennifer was inviting her in to Sozo and even into Alpha. Come and meet people. We would love to have you as part of our community. You can come here and we can work through things and get you on the road to healing. And something came over her in that conversation, and I mean, it was like clutching her. She just changed on a dime in that conversation. And Jennifer and I talked afterwards and were grieved. Oh, I wish you would come and join us here and let the Lord take care of her. And it wasn't but a few weeks later that we found that she was dead, that she had she had died, and there was some mystery around that at first. They didn't know if it was a homicide or what it was. But I believe that the Lord brought her here and wanted to set her free and that she found a place where she could take care of the whole thing. She could go through counseling. She could have demons cast out of her. She could learn how to be with Jesus, and the enemy snuffed that out. So friends, I know that might be a little heavy, but it was part of a wake-up call for me that the world is full of people that are oppressed and broken. 
and they have deep darkness and deep addictions and brokenness. And we want to call them in to worship and call them in to study the scriptures, but we want the full arsenal. And that may involve deliverance at times. Some of you are saying, well, how do we do that? And I said, well, let's learn together in the coming days. Let's learn how to bring holistic healing to people, including, if they need it, the Lord breaking bondages and darkness and driving demons out of them. Again, I, I could share stories from the past. I've watched very stable, educated business people manifest a demon in front of me and we cast the demon out of them and it changed their life. What do you do with that? Well, it's biblical. So Lord, do it. The third thing here, quickly, let's look at Luke 10 and we'll end with just a couple of observations here. Luke 10, 17 through 18. So we're seeing Jesus calling and appointing, Jesus overcoming the enemy. Luke 10, 17 through 18. You there? I know you can see it up on the slides as well. So Jesus has sent out the 12. He's also sent out 70 more. And this symbolizes those judges and leaders that came alongside Moses in the desert. And so Jesus is signifying something else. I'm raising up not just 12, 12 new spiritual tribes, but I'm also raising up additional leaders to go out and do kingdom ministry. So look at verse 17 quickly here. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Think what I want to do. I'm going to put a pin in it right here. And we're going to uh, come back to this because it's too rich. Is that all right? We looked at Mark 3, and then we're going to look at Luke 10 next week. It's too good. I think it's important to hear afresh and, and not rush it. And I want to leave a little, little more time. So, worship team.